0: Pastor Xavier Reese, with today's simple truth about the importance of the Word of God.
1: People tend to lose sight that they make the cross of Christ powerless through the cleverness of using sociology, psychology to explain the gospel. 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come through excellency of speech or the wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him
0: crucified. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Successful companies run well because they employ a good business plan. Successful churches follow a superior plan as well. And it's found in the Word of God. Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his series from the book of 1 Corinthians, he talks about the importance of unity in the body. While presenting the simple truths for ensuring a firm family bond, let's listen.
1: First Corinthians chapter one. We're going to look at verses ten through seventeen, and the message entitled "Divisions Are Destructive." Notice verse ten. The apostle Paul pleaded in humility. The apostle is not attempting to be authoritative over them, but he is entreating them because he sees the dangers of what's going on. As a parent with a child, who encourages a son or his daughter. Now, Paul stated unity is evident by not having or allowing divisions. Paul stated that unity, notice, is strengthened by being perfectly joined together in the same mind, the same judgment. The statement is to remedy their current problems. They're fractured. The word but is a contrasting conjunction. They needed to forsake their divisions. But you can only do that by being one with the word of God. Now, notice the information was very specific that there were contentions. It means quarrels, strifes, debates, and wranglings. You see the problem with the church? It's made up of people. Sinners. And unless we walk in the Spirit and are willing to die to self and be transformed from day to day, you see, it's the Holy Spirit that, that makes the unity. We disrupt it. Listen to Ephesians 4, 1, and 6, and 1 through 6. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's the Spirit of God that creates the unity. We disrupt it. Okay? We don't create it. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are calling to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He puts the body together. He disperses gifts. He calls. He positions. And then he works it all together. It's amazing how he does it. Now notice, Second, we have the parties of the divisions in 12 through 16. In verse 12, the Apostle Paul joined, uh, pointed out four groups by the teacher's names. Now I say that each of you say, I am of Paul. I am of Paulus. I am of Cephas. Or I am of Christ." Paul addresses first the followers of himself who were perhaps those favoring grace over law. And um, the phrase, each of you says, denotes an attachment to the particular teacher's name here, I belong to. And and, and people will do that at times, you know what I mean? Sometimes people have come here and said, oh yeah, you know, I was baptized by Pastor Chuck. Okay? Okay. And we do this because we want to impress somebody or we want to get our foot in or whatever it is. And it's a tendency of the flesh. That's all it is. Another indication of their leaning to the cultural trends of their days before Christ. They were living out their life in Christ as if they were still in the world. Leaning to their own understanding and wisdom of the world. Because you remember Corinth prided itself in their wisdom and their ability to speak like an orator and, and, you know, Athens were their competitors, you know, and all this, you know, they loved to impress. And Paul, as you know, was from Alexandria where the great universities were. And Corinth prided themselves against in that knowledge and the intellect. And uh, uh, Paul rebukes them later on for this. Uh, chapter 8, verse 1, knowledge puffs up. Apollos was a Jew, born of Alexandria, eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures as we're told. He came to Ephesus, he taught accurately about the Lord, except he knew only the baptism of John. And so Achille and Priscilla explained to him the way more accurately there at Ephesus in Acts eighteen twenty four through 26 A teachable man. But he didn't, he just knew the water baptism of John. He wasn't familiar with the baptism of the Holy Spirit for empowerment. And so they corrected him, They they instructed him. Apollos afterwards went over to Corinth as Paul went over to Ephesus in Acts 19 1. And they, they, they missed each other. And Apollos definitely had a strong following, for Paul mentions him seven times in the letter. Paul rebuked them for their human preference as a party to divide the church throughout the epistle, chapter 3, chapter 4, 6, and so on and so forth, constantly. In fact, Paul tells them they were to benefit from all these teachers. In chapter 3, verse 22. But they had made these men idols. Paul then addressed the third group, the followers of Cephas, his name in Aramaic, Stone, who were probably Jews who did not cope with the Gentiles and their lack of practice for the ritual ceremonial law. They wanted to bring the Gentiles in. As you know, Acts 15, the first church council, it started up in Antioch with Paul and Titus and them. Perhaps um, Peter had been rebuked by Paul, if you remember, when he was up there at Antioch in Galatians 2.11 because he he played the hypocrite. He was over there with with the Gentiles eating pork chops and then he tiptoed over to the national Hebrew table. and, And Paul got in his face and he said, hey, what's going on? Peter who walked on water, Peter who... Priest and 3,000 came on the day of Pentecost. You see, Peter was not perfect. He was a creep and sinner just like you. The problem of eating meats was one of the problems at Corinth in chapter 8 and 9, and we'll get that. And they were being stumbled. Some of these Jews who had become Christians, these meats were offered to idols. And and, and then they would sell them to the butcher shop. And we get there, we'll study it. And they would... Buy them from there, and then they'd bring it home. And the guy said, "Hey, was this? Yeah, oh, you know." He said, "Listen, don't ask what the guy just pray. Our need it, needed. and he deals with those issues." And then Paul addressed the last followers, this group here of Christ, the self-righteous one who thought themselves to be the elite of the church, the real spiritual ones. He doesn't even deal with them; he just leaves them there alone. <laughs> These also could have been using their spiritual gifts to exalt themselves, using them as credentials of their super spirituality as we get to chapter 12, 13, and 14 with the gifts of the Spirit. They're probably the ones that stand up and give you prophecy and tongues and all this, and they look like a circus going on. Confusion. Now look at verse 13. The Apostle Paul posed three questions that reveal the foolishness of their four parties. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Is Christ divided? The first question. The question does not indicate if they have cut out Christ and dispersed him. But rather, is there different kinds of Christ? Is there a Paul Christ? An Apollos Christ? A Cephas Christ? Is there not only one Christ? Then why... Where they divided the body into these four groups of teachers. And he just mentions four. There could have been all kinds of them. Probably was. They needed to take his counsel. And be perfectly joined together in the same mind. In the same judgment. According to God's word. Not their philosophy. Their opinions. He asked them. Was Paul crucified for you? The question is a sharp rebuke to their natural way of thinking. And the perspective for no sinful man can atone for the sins of the world. The answer again is absolutely no. They're all rhetorical questions with an obvious answer. If you say yes to one of these, you get an F. Then why did they have Paul as a group leader of the church rather than Christ, who is the head of the church? Paul asked them, or oh, were you baptized in the name of Paul. The implication being in union or connection, literally, into the name of Paul. That's blasphemous. (laughs) Notice the apostle Paul rebuked them for preferring man and ritual over Christ, 14 through 16. Paul gave thanks to God. He had baptized only a few people. In verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Crispus was the rule of the Jewish synagogue, as you remember, one of the first converts of Corinth in chapter 18 of the book of Acts. And Gaius was Paul's host in his visit to Corinth. Romans 16, 23 tells us that. Paul gives the reason that he was thankful that he only baptized these two guys at this point. Lest some should say that he baptized in his own name. He did not raise up disciples after himself. He did not teach that only those baptized by him had a legitimate baptism. The Corinthians had some weird doctrine in baptism. They were baptizing for the dead. We'll get to that in chapter 15, verse 29. For the resurrection, but they were denying the resurrection. So get this, okay. They were baptizing by proxy, like Mormons do, okay. For those that didn't get to, so they get baptized in their name, which is weird and unbiblical and got other problems. But then they were denying the resurrection, but they're still baptizing for the resurrection. And Paul doesn't even bother to deal with it. He just uses it as as a topic to rebuke them. They weren't aligning their thinking, their theology with the word of God, but they were bringing in secular things. And so you have Christians who say they're Christians and they believe in reincarnation and transmigration and all this and that. And, you know, there's 13 heavens and there's, you know, this and that. Oh, there's no hell. Really? And they bring on all the secular stuff. The sin of party divisions lead to the sin of exaltation, of petty doctrines, and ultimately the worship of man. I have never in 35 years of ministry seen a good thing come from divisions. And the troublemaker's... Always leave the people stuck with the mess and as they pull people in many of those people get hurt and destroyed and they leave the fellowship never to fellowship again or to be so embittered against it and God help the person that brings carnal divisions and destroys the lives of people. It's terrible. Acts 17:11 says that we're to be good Bereans to examine to find out if those things are so. Always checking everything out. I don't want you just to believe me, but do your homework. Your baptism is valid only if you're born again. Otherwise, you're a wet sinner. First Peter three nineteen through 21 It's an answer to good conscience. It doesn't take away any sin at all. It's a public confession what's happening in your heart already. You're born again. So you go under a type of death coming up in the newness of life. But if that doesn't make you born again, or that doesn't make you really born again, or that doesn't make you completely born again, you're born again. But it's a command of obedience, so we do it as a public confession. As you know, the word for heresy in its original meaning simply means and meant a choice. But then through the years, it became to be used against false doctrine. It was a choice to that which was unorthodox, that which was straight, false teaching and we've seen already Titus 3 10 through 11 that you have to be careful those who are confronted and they refuse to align themselves with scripture Paul's going to say I've told you as Christians not to hang out with those which are fornicators and feminists boom 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 but not those of the world but those who call themselves Christians alright you separate yourself if you love somebody you cut fellowship off if they don't Repent. Many today have chosen to exalt party divisions, to follow heresies, to exalt themselves by false spirituality. And so we have to stay in the Word. The parties, of the divisions are confusing, confusion to every church, every generation. Now notice lastly, we have the problems here caused by the division. 17, the apostle Paul declared they had polarized themselves to ritual moving away from their relationship to Christ. Listen to the word. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. They were not preaching the gospel. That's the implication. Paul exposed their empty ritual baptism due to their loyalty to man instead of Christ. Baptism is a ritual, symbolic of that death, as we said. It should be practiced, but there's no forgiveness in it. The practice of baptizing believers, it's amazing here that Paul says he only baptized those in the house of Stephanus, so he didn't put any real emphasis on that. In fact, he didn't do it. So most likely others did it. He preached the gospel. And once in a while, he baptized somebody. Paul declared that God commissioned him to preach. The phrase preach the gospel means to bring good news. Good this is this is the power of God. Philosophy, psychology—that stuff's not going to do anything for you for eternity, for your sin nature. The word is used throughout the New Testament to proclaim the gospel fifty-five times. He will use it five more times in the letter. The commission came, as you know from God on the road to Emmaus as he went into Damascus by the hand of Ananias where God said in Acts 9.15 to Ananias but the Lord said to him go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles kings and the children of Israel here's the problem too many people are sent by churches or they go to seminaries they get their degrees and they're ordained by men so they're ineffective God saves you he calls you he anoints you and he sends you You'll be effective. Now, if all those things are true, and God allows you to get some education, great. But the education, without the calling and anointing the gifts, you'll be worthless. You're going to mess up the church. The content was the gospel directly from Jesus. Paul said that in Galatians 1, 11 through 12. He didn't preach the gospel because somebody handed it down to him, but he received it directly by the hand of Jesus Christ, by revelation. And Jesus spent three years with Paul in Arabia as he spent three years with the other disciples and apostles. Now notice the Apostle Paul declared they had polluted the gospel with their cultural wisdom. Here's the problem. Not with wisdom of words. He didn't do it. They had. In fact, the next section from verse 18 down to 25, he just nails them. Paul had preached the pure gospel. They had contaminated it with human wisdom. Wisdom is full Sophia. It's a key word in the letter. The word in this context means human intelligence, understanding, and contrast to divine wisdom. And that's how he uses it from verse 18 down to 25. The word appears 16 times within the first three chapters as it contrasts wisdom from God and wisdom from the world. The implication is very obvious. These groups have come to exalt their ability to cleverly speak about the gospel while lowering its content. To human words. And so you read a lot of the emergent church books. And they use clever human words. And they're going to get you to do good works. And you become a humanitarian rather than a Christian. You don't preach the gospel. You don't talk about sin. You don't talk about repentance. None of that kind of stuff. Really. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2, Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come to you excellency of speech, Or the wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's the cross, it's the blood. It's the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. These guys in the emergent church they don't like the blood of Jesus, they don't think it's necessary. Paul is not speaking against using modern knowledge or information or education, but certainly he's speaking against trusting, depending, and leaning to it bypassing the power of the gospel. There's the problem. Notice the Apostle Paul declared they had neutralized the effectiveness of the gospel. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Paul knew the cross was the instrument by which God atoned for the sins of the world. Jesus said in John 19.30, it is finished. Everything necessary for your salvation and mind. Through the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross was the instrument of death for the believers. Daily life in order that they live in the spirit. Romans 6.11, Galatians 2.20, the crucified life. Every day I have to do that. It doesn't happen automatically. The cross was of Christ, the Messiah, who died in the place of Sinners. Not just a mere martyr. First John 2, 2 says he is a propitiation for our sins. Not ours alone. But the whole world. The word propitiation goes back to the Hebrew sacrifice of the Old Testament. It's that which satisfies the demands of God's wrath. And the wrath of God was poured on the Son. And there was a true payment. And there was a true reconciliation. The cross would be made of none effect. Powerless. When it is reduced to human words. That empty it. Of its divine revelation. And power of salvation. The phrase "none effect" means to make empty, neutralized, powerless, inoperative. I've heard Christians who call themselves Christians, and, and you know, and and I say, well, you, you just have to repent. You just have to trust God. You have to crucify the old. Well, you guys are all like that." No, no, I need something else. And and they 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 straddle the fence. They they want some secular stuff. The preaching would have no effect. On the heart of the sinner. They were just bringing in another philosophy. That's all. Divisions and contentions only infect others. In that rebellion of Korah and his 250 friends. If you keep on reading in number 16. When God disciplined and killed them all. Then the others who were infected by Korah and the 250 friends came up against Moses again. We we don't learn. (laughs) The flesh is strong. We want it our way. We don't want to do it God's way. People that get caught up in divisions tend to lose sight that God has sent all of us to preach the gospel as a priority rather than spend our time to promote our group or our teacher or our church. We preach Christ Jesus crucified, ladies and gentlemen, no one else. People tend to lose sight that we are not to preach the gospel with wisdom of words, but rather with the power Of the Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded the apostles in Acts 1 8, but you should receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you should be witness to me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the world. Absolutely essential that I live and walk in the power of the Spirit of God to be effective for Jesus Christ. I study, I'll be diligent, I'll know what's going on in the world, I'll use it as an example but i don't depend on those things to change the heart of man to convict the heart of man to transform him no way it's the power of the gospel people tend to lose sight that they make the cross of christ powerless through the cleverness of using sociology psychology anthropology to explain the gospel again the seeker friendly movement the emergent church movement it is very evident as you hear them speak as you read their writings But see, it doesn't offend anybody. It doesn't make no judgments. So, people like that. I don't like trouble. I don't want to fight. But if you want to fight, let's do it. I'm not going to back down from the gospel. Are you kidding me? Our Lord went to the cross. The disciples laid their life down. And we're going to compromise the gospel? Colossians two eight says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, philosophy, the love of wisdom, and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principle of the world, and not according to Christ. Bottom line The problems caused by divisions canceled out the power of the gospel. Man. Paul's confrontation of the Corinthians, strong words regarding these divisions that plagued them. In the church. The plea against divisions is to be emulated by every believer. Parties of divisions are confusion to every church of Christ. And the problems caused by the divisions cancel out the power of the gospel, water it down, ineffective. So we're just another social welfare group. It's like if you take me outside to the parking lot right now and you show me your new car and you open the door, you say, yeah, stick your head in there, man, to smell that leather. Mmm, that's nice. And I say, hey, let's go take a ride. He goes, I don't have no gas. The only thing that's going to transform you and I is
0: the power of the gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ. Nothing else. Pastor Xavier Reese with a gentle reminder that we're all on the same team. And you can request a copy of today's challenging study from 1 Corinthians called Divisions Are Destructive. It's available on CD for just $4. And this message contains much more material than we had time to share with you during our limited time on the broadcast. So, if we can get a copy in your hands, ask for the title Divisions Are Destructive. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200, And please, don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. How much do you have to know in order to be saved? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California